0: History happened everywhere The verdict This is our after show podcast where we look back at the most recent episode Number 62, face the music in Bhutan during the 5th century So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out Or else there will be spoilers ahead
1: Oh, sorry, can you hear my chair farting? Hello,
0: my name is Ryan Weir, and I'm here in the HHE studio with the deadbolt to my back door. It's Mr. Peter Goddard. (laughs) The deadbolt to your back door. That's right. I provide the entry, you provide the security.
2: Oh, I see. That's what that
0: was. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to provide that. And we are joined, as ever, by the defiant druck of disaster. It's the judge himself. It's Mr. Paul Dursley. Hello.
2: I'd like to be a druck. I feel I would rather have been a druck than a deadbolt.
0: (laughs) Too late. (laughs) Now, Peter, as a practicing Buddhist as I am, (laughs) I've let go of the past. How much practice have you had? Plenty. And now I'm living in the present. But that means I've forgotten everything about the last episode. Understandable. So would you please remind me of what happened in, let's say, 60 seconds? I can do that. Starting when? Mmm, now! We travelled to the mountainous Himalayas,
2: touching down in a terrifying airport to meet the people of Bhutan. We learned that the nation values well-being over wealth, and we unveiled their written history that spans as far back to just after our given time period. We also discovered the music of Bhutan, from the man-made melodies of the drongyen and the dong and the uh, bow and arrow, to the sounds of nature, the yodelling yak, the resonant raven and the rockin' tockin'. And now here I am, in the verdict, ready to face the music.
0: Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of thee. he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. Ah, yes. An episode filled with splendid facts about a fascinating country. In a completely relevant manner. (laughs) I particularly enjoyed the way you orchestrated your way (laughs) around the musical theme. Uh, But it matters not what this mere mortal has to say, because we're here for the opinion of just one man. So, Paul, did it help you find enlightenment? or did it just push your boutons
1: oh my god it didn't push my boutons i can assure you <laughs> <laughs> but why don't you
0: just uh, set us up with just some initial thoughts so like what, what, what's your first feeling about the episode
1: uh, uh
0: <laughs> he's lost for
2: words
1: because it was so good <laughs> oh okay that's one way of putting it I think Bhutan is a very interesting country, isn't it? It's one of those countries about which we know little. Mm. And so Peter att- attempted to... Bring some of Bhutan into the spotlight.
2: I think the emphasis on the word attempt there is fairly fairly relevant. But yes, I did. Uh, it was a fascinating country, and I really thoroughly enjoyed researching it. It's it's so its own place, I guess, because it's quite isolated and it doesn't have a lot of. When you go to Central Europe and places like that, there's a kind of bleed of culture that uh, there's people invading and de invading and various countries owning it. But this place has never been invaded. It's it's been its own place the entire the entirety of its history.
0: Yeah, which I said during the episode. I'm still surprised, given the countries that sit astride it yeah they're no slouches are they china and india are uh, substantial lumps of land but that could also be because they've got a demon hidden under the ground pinned down by temples Yeah they could always <laughs> release her couldn't they yeah
1: <laughs> knock the temples down up she comes exactly um, well uh, so the one thing the one fact i knew about butar and music you didn't put in the episode remind us what was the fact well the fact was they used to have musical stamps how does that work musical stamps well the stamps were like little uh, plastic records that could actually be played how does that work how does that work surely they'd be huge on a parcel Or in a letter? Well, they don't have to be the size of a 33 and a third, do they?
0: (laughs) I'm assuming it's a relatively short
2: tune that you get on a stamp.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I think they're only about an inch and a half across. And so they were sticky on one side and you could stick them onto a letter. And then presumably take them off the letter, stick them on your little record player... And play the sound. Yes, because they 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 had the hole in the middle as well, so you could actually play them. I get. I guess you just cut them off, didn't you, and, and put them on? Because probably it helps with a bit bit a bit of stiffness behind it. Do you know? I did not come across that in all of my research. Once one was the national anthem. Um, one was some American talking about Bhutan and there was other traditional folk songs. That is fantastic. Are you a record collector or a stamp collector if you've got these? <laughs> uh, yes. What is a record collector called? The correct name for someone who collects vinyl records,
0: CDs or phonograph records is a discophile. Thank you.
1: But, you, you know, I, I'm going to have to hold that against you, Pete for not getting the one fact i did know about buton oh dear
0: yeah wait till dursley factor for that one
1: but look pete tell me um like you obviously you
0: spoke during the episode about the difficulties that you faced but just give us a little bit more background about the research that you did so where where did you get most of your source most of your information from so most of the
2: information came from one very big book called the history of bhutan unsurprisingly (laughs)
0: Um,
2: which was a very thorough book which was very long and i read the the entire book and didn't use 99.9 percent of it as is the case with these things but it was really (laughs) now i know lots of interesting things about bhutan outside my time period that was the Really the challenge. It's not so much that the history wasn't there, it was the early period wasn't there, and the, the focus on the kind of Buddhist aspect, the monk written history, if you like, was a problem.
0: And may I ask you for your first thoughts when you discovered that uh, there was no history recorded? Prior to What was it, 600, 700? What was the first thoughts that went through your head? Well, I, I, the premise of our show is history happened everywhere, and it's not history was necessarily documented everywhere.
2: So I think it's perfectly reasonable to try and estimate what might be going on based on things that are definitely known. So that's what I tried to do, was take things that we knew were plausibly there at that time because of the, the archaeological evidence from around the area from earlier you know, you knew we knew that there were people. We knew that bows had been around for a long time. We knew that flutes had been around for a long time. So I think it was less than a matter of finding documentation about what happened in Bhutan and more about plausibly linking things that are Bhutanese today to historic practices. And Paul, what, what about
0: your thoughts on that? Are you like,
1: was there a... Well, a th- my, my thoughts are, I wonder how you would have done it.
0: Yeah, well, I said right at the end of the episode, you know, I thought you were going to say the horn section or something, and I think that's probably where I would have gone with it. I would have taken the string instrument of the bow and the horn of the animal, and probably tried to create some sort of orchestra or something. Maybe I don't know. It's very difficult to say, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it was a challenge, but I'm, I'm,
0: I know I'm, I'm prepared for a,
2: a rocky verdict this week. But I have to say, I was quite comfortable that I presented interesting things that were around at that time. I'm, I stand behind everything I said. said just now that uh, you know it's it's not a country that a lot of people know much about and I also kind of went heavy on that it's quite an isolated place it's quite difficult to visit but it's not actually a closed nation in the sense it doesn't want people to know about it um, and one of the things that the current Druk Gyalpo the king did is he supports a thing called the snowman race which is a like a kind of marathon that takes place in Bhutan but it's a five-day race it runs from the 13th of October to the 17th of October this year 29 athletes take place uh, nine of them were for boot- from Bhutan so they were international athletes and this was a trail that covers bear in mind Himalayan so mm. quite hilly 203 kilometres wow the highest point of the trail 17,000 nearly 18,000 feet high uh, which this year was won by Gawa Zhangpo who just knocked the race off in just 31 hours oh in one go i assume they had rests on the way i I didn't read much more detail than that but yeah the the idea is to raise awareness of climate change that's the Mm. the purpose of the race but yeah there's people who visit so it's not a completely closed society so i just wanted to add that to counterpoint that i said so much of it was kind of not so open to outsiders.
0: I feel like you're missing a trick about telling me why it's called the Snowman Race, though, because I've got images of snowmen unless they're wearing snowman costumes. <laughs> I think it's the fact that it's through the mountain snow that they have to run, and I suspect at the end of it they must resemble snowmen. I feel misled, if I'm honest. <laughs> if I went all the way to Bhutan to watch a snowman race, I'd be expecting snowmen, carrot noses. I th-
1: I, I think it's abominable. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Talking of sports though, Pete, I was curious about archery. We Ah, spoke only very briefly about it and I wondered what traditional archery might have looked like. So I went and had a look at some of the bows and arrows and all that sort of stuff. And I found some interesting stuff. Okay, so in Bhutan, uh, apparently it's considered normal to drink alcohol when playing archery. You fancy that, Paul? You want to go sit in the audience while you got some drunk archers
1: twanging at you? <laughs> I, I think I'd rather fly it on that plane. No, <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> that plane. Yeah, that's giving me nightmares just thinking about it. Uh, yeah, the president of the Bhutan Archery Federation says traditional archery would be incomplete without alcohol <laughs> <laughs> because it's also a game with singing, dancing, and merrymaking. It's just like darts, then. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. They drink ara, which is a clear or creamy homebrewed boot and it's supposed to help calm the nerves <laughs> well, it's not made from yak's milk is it almost
1: certainly I'm sure. <laughs> it's yak's milk.
0: yeah but it doesn't seem to affect the archer's accuracy uh, because even after a few drinks it said that they can hit wooden targets about the size of a skateboard from 140 meters away that's the distance of three olympic swimming pools <laughs> that's quite incredible isn't it that's proper yes. accuracy and yeah and the, the the
2: this is something that i I looked into, obviously I had a bit more, well, I had a bit more than we talked about in the episode, but so on top of being a bit drunk, let's face it, and being much further away than you would be in an Olympic environment, Yeah. the the other side are allowed to try and put you off, essentially. They're singing and dancing and jeering and insulting you, and <laughs> basically, it's not like, everyone hush while he takes his shot. It's like, ah, you suck while you're trying to take your wow. shot. Wow. Which I guess is why you need a drink to steady your nerves. I mean, it's a foolish thing when you've got a man with a bow and arrow standing right in front <laughs> and pointed at you. They do have accidents as well. There was one MP, Bhutanese MP, who got shot through the head with an arrow in a, a, what, an archery a, competition, a minister like a, a yeah. poetry competition, an archery competition. <laughs> oh
1: sorry, I thought you said
0: <laughs> you got Shot through the head by a <laughs> particularly sharp verse. <laughs> I've I've seen some bad poetry, and honestly, if I had a bow and arrow, <laughs> they might yeah. have got a twang around the head as well. But uh, yeah, in archery, you have the archers in your team. Uh, but you also have other secret members of your team, and they're known as Sips. And the Sips' job is to bring bad luck to opposing players, I guess, like you're saying, you know, by sort of putting people off. But they also do it by writing the names and ages of the opposing players on a piece of paper, which is they then mix with an unclean object, which is unspecified, <laughs> and then buried at a crossroad or under
2: the mattress of a pregnant woman. Well, that's why I've always got a pregnant woman to hand so I can uh, curse people by putting items under her bed. So, Paul, I have a question. What are your feelings about the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum physics?
1: Ah, no, the Copenhagen um, interpretation is the matrix representation, isn't it? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But what I do know is it's uh,
2: related. A lot of people have considered that the beliefs of Buddhism have a sort of intersection and an overlap with the the understanding of quantum physics so the nature of reality not being essential but being dependent on the relationship between the observer and the observed is Mm -hmm. something we see in quantum physics and is a sort of tenet of certain schools of buddhism that's interesting i'm very confused and i don't know what you just said but (laughs) do carry on well, I'm going to ask Paul to respond to that suggestion that there are, in fact, links or parallels between Buddhism and quantum physics.
1: I cannot really answer that as I don't know anything about Buddhism, really. It's, it's interesting because I'm not even sure I'd class Buddhism as a religion, like sort of any of the Abrahamic religions. It's it's sort of more a uh, way of life. Well, I was going to say a method for living rather than... Uh, it seems from from what I could see, sort of certainly after going to Japan, and they have Taoism, don't they? There, which is a branch of Buddhism, I think. That you know, they had a bell in the temple, and I was sort of thinking, God, you know, everyone will go and ring that bell. And of course, in the West, oh, you can't do that. It's only the priest or somebody who could do that. But no, there it's. The, you're encouraged to go and ring the bell and make as much noise as possible which to me sounds fun it does sound fun I want to ring a bell (laughs) well let me help you out a bit
2: on the physics and Buddhism side have you heard of Carlo Rovelli no he's an author of a book called Seven Brief Lessons on Physics
1: oh yes I I, I know of the book I've not read it
2: okay so apparently he he read a a philosophy from a, a book or maybe a school I'm not sure what it is it's Nagarjuna and he says and this is a quote one of the central ideas of this Buddhism is that objects do not not exist by themselves they only exist because they interact with something else and he said this really gels for him with the the, the findings of or some interpretations of the findings
1: of quantum physics What well, is this Bishop Barclay and the tree fallen down in the woods has, has his tree fallen down maybe he needs a tree surgeon I don't know <laughs> Well, you know, it has has the tree fallen down if nobody's there to observe it falling down.
2: And well, that's interesting as well because presumably that was prior to quantum physics being a thing. Yes. So it's not strictly an Eastern philosophy. It's a it's there's there's a history of thought that says actually the observer is part of the. There is a relation. It's a relational experience.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the you know fundamental philosophical uh, tenets, as you said. Fundamental philosophical. <laughs> say, say that after a few drinks. If if you sort of have a view of the world or. something... So there's always something missing, of course, because you're in the world, but you sort of, you're not, you're never in a view, are you? Because you're seeing it. Ah, see, you are a Buddhist. <laughs> I like yak cheese food. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i don't know what anyone's talking about oh the yak cheese food although it was cheddar cheese in our case that was pretty tasty uh, well, I,
1: I was expecting some yak's milk chocolate to appear this week
2: i have to say i would have sent you the food uh, paul but it wasn't really it wasn't a traveling food unfortunately it was, <laughs> if, unless you wanted some congealed cheese liquid it wasn't really gonna work it
0: definitely wasn't gonna work i can tell you that now it was tasty though you it was tasty know? and
1: spicy yeah it sounds like it was a bit too hot for my tastes yeah yeah i was pretty lively.
0: So talking about yaks, I did some research on yaks. I wanted to see some pictures of yaks, the (laughs) curly haired yaks, the bald yaks, the yaks with no nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I went yak crazy. It was yak attack time. Anyway, so I did some research and I found a movie called Lunana, a yak in the classroom. A yak in the classroom. I'm sure you've both seen it. (laughs) (laughs) a <laughs> big fan filmed in bhutan in 2019 it's about a man who wants to be a singer in australia but instead he's sent to a remote village in bhutan to teach kids i don't quite know what happens hijinks um <laughs> there's something about yak i don't know i haven't seen it i'm gonna guess he learned some life lessons along the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was entered into the 2021 oscars uh, but was disqualified Oh, no. <laughs> but the reason it was disqualified was because Bhutan hadn't organized an academy-approved selection committee. So they resubmitted it the following year, and it got nominated for Best International Picture. Yay, Bhutan, Wood, <laughs> would that be? Wood? yeah.
1: would <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, mobile. Good morning, good morning mobile. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I nam zam Sí, There's sort of lots of weird woody type things about Bhutan, aren't there? Bonism and that pre-epic god who used to run around. Drukpa Kunli, big fan. Drukpa he's, he's gonna...
2: gonna- you. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of our sketches that did not make the cut. <laughs> oh,
1: it's better than the one at the end. <laughs>
2: yeah, Drukpa Kunli, I was delighted to discover this this man because you always think of the Buddhists as being, well, I suppose, not aesthetic. There's the sort of fat, jolly Buddha. So there's the sense that they enjoy well, yeah, life. Yeah, I
1: think it goes back to, to to what I was saying earlier. You know, you, we we think think of sort of austere Catholicism or. Protestantism. Protestantism, where basically the whole thing is you cannot do this, you deny having a good time in this life, so you can have a good time in the next life, which isn't actually ever going to happen. It's a con, whereas sort of the Eastern religions, as I said, are a bit more of a you know, a way of life and we might as well enjoy it. Yeah, and none of it's real anyway. So <laughs> This is all an illusion. Yes. Uh,
2: all I know is if I come out of my house and find an arrow stuck in it, I will be... Sending my partner away for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what's going to happen if that Drukpa shows
0: up. Drukpa Kunli, he's, he's going to f*** you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I spent... Back- Historically, that sort of happened quite a lot in the past, doesn't it? Again, it, it was sort of the Western religions that did that. You know, in ancient Greek times, the phallus, and in Roman times, the phallus was considered a good luck charm. And quite often, people used to wear them around their neck and touch it for good luck. I mean, I touch it for good luck. Your own or around else? your neck,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Paul? You sent me a photo this week of the uh, some Bhutanese stamps that features yes. some phalluses.
1: <laughs> Where did you find those? Did they also have a record on them? Was there a soundtrack that came with these? <laughs> well... I was doing my own little investigation because I was sure that there were these stamps. So I sort of looked in stamps in Bhutan and the article that I found mm-hmm. had, had the musical stamps, but it also had these phallus stamps. <laughs> and uh, may I quote you on your message to me?
0: <laughs> yes, you may. You said to me, I hope these are self-adhesive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. Now I wouldn't want to lick one. put it like that. <laughs> All I'm—I I'm just despair that I've never got a letter from Bhutan. I would love one. <laughs> They're so great, aren't they? I never open it. I have too much fun mucking about with the accoutrements of the envelope itself. <laughs> Ah, bringing this back to Bhutan, though I I would love to visit Bhutan. Of I know we ninety nine percent of the time you fall in love with the country you research because there's always just fascinating things and interesting mm. people. But Bhutan, I'm I'm very keen to visit. So uh, if the Bhutan tourist board could set me up with a trip, I'd be delighted, guys. So nice. you'd you be okay on the plane? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. There's there's so few people, these guys do it all the time, right? There's only 10 of them or 20 of them, but they know what they're doing. Yeah, they don't show you the side of the Himalayas that's just
0: scattered in planes. <laughs> just draw the blind down. No need to see
2: all that. <laughs> I'll take my chances. I'm travelling to Bhutan as soon as I'm invited and on an all-expenses-paid trip. Fair enough. <laughs> that's a nice plea. Are we, do- are we done? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you have mind. anything else? Well, nothing great. Okay, <laughs>
0: <laughs> then, then let's move on. <laughs> and so, talking of please, Peter, we have come to the end of the line. It's time to step into the dock and prepare to face the people's judge. Ready (laughs) You, You don't look ready I'm feeling fine Judge Dursley Are you ready To give your verdict
1: Uh Yes
0: Okay Let's do it Then will the defendant Please
1: rise Sure Fine.
0: Your Honor, as usual, may we start proceedings by first asking for your verdict on factual content.
1: Well, I I think generally the factual content was very good, as Pete had a good book to look at. He didn't necessarily pick out all of the facts, and he did miss the one important musical fact, which we will come back to. I will give him a C. Very good, C plus. Okay, that's not bad. Ooh. Okay, well
0: then, uh, Your Honour, may I ask you for your verdict on entertainment value? How entertained were you?
1: Not as entertained as some episodes, I have to say. I think you are getting a bit lazy with some of your sketches now. Some of the songs are very good, especially the Yackety Sax one. I'll, I'll have to grant you that. I, I wanted a little bald headed man to slap while it was on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually that piece of music. His name is Yackety Sax, isn't it? It is, yeah. We just changed it very cleverly to <laughs> Yackety <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, the songs, yes, the, uh, the sketches need a little
0: bit of work. Okay, we'll take that into consideration. Uh, your Honour, may we have a grade for Entertainment value?
1: For Entertainment Factor, I shall give Peter a C. That's a good grade for me, Pete, I'll
0: be honest. Yeah, it's it's wow, mine. you're really quiet on this one. This is. <laughs> I know what's coming, that's why. Beads of sweat <laughs> pouring down your brow. Uh, your Honour, then, may I ask uh, for your verdict on Dursley Factor?
1: Well, there were a number of points in this episode which were sort of hearsay, shall we say? Hearsay. Or um, assumptions. We always know about assumptions. Mm-hmm. If they had it this time, then they would have had this sound or then they would have had that sound. I accept that it, it was a difficult subject. However... You are both experts, and Pete especially should know this. <laughs> wait, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> and why Pete especially? But, well, he gets better grades than you, so I assume he's more of an expert. Uh-huh. <laughs> well he Well, sorry, he usually gets better grades
0: than you. Ooh. <laughs> so may we have a, a, a grade for Dursley Factor?
1: Yeah. It's... I, I really find it difficult to... Give a good grade for this as you missed out the one musical fact about Utel. I'm afraid I'm gonna give D. A straight D. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, right, well those are the categories out of the way. Peter, we have reached the final verdict. Is Pete going to put it out of the start? Mm, let's find out. Peter, before the judge passes his verdict, you now have an opportunity to enter a plea. If you choose to do so please make that plea now right yeah
2: so right listen right like, here is the thing right it was music right and there was a time period it wasn't the same time period, different time period the music there was animals and isn't nature music and isn't music nature and aren't they all music
0: in their own way yeah well thank you for that well reasoned and sound <laughs> argument you utter madman <laughs> Uh, Your Honor, the defendant stands before you. Have you reached a verdict? Uh, yes, I have. I've just changed my mind. In which case, I would ask most
1: respectfully for the rule. D minus <laughs>
2: oh my lord initial response i mean i understand where this might have come from (laughs) i was ready for a bad mark i'm going to take it on the chin and move on to the next
0: episode with my head held high But my grades held low, (laughs) and just you know, out of personal interest, how's it feel getting a Ryan grade versus you know what I got last time, which was a relatively Peter grade? Yeah, how do how do you live like this, Ryan? (laughs) This is awful. (laughs) Some some might say I'm an expert. Okay, well, look, on that relatively predictable bombshell, <laughs> that is the show for this week. If you'd like to get in touch about any of the things we've talked about on the show, or just to say hello, you can do that. You can reach out to us on social media or through our website at hhepodcast.com or by email at Pete and ryan at hhepodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You never know, you might end up featured on a future show. Yeah, and one way to definitely feature on a future episode is to rate and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you find yourself on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, you can find us at HHE Podcast.
2: If you subscribe or follow us there, you'll get an alert every time we post a little bit of extra content, a bit of behind the scenes, picture of us, Mostly pictures of us, to be honest, but uh, you'll get it there if you uh, follow us there.
0: That's right. And we're going to be back again very soon with our next episode, number 63, Fiction, in Italy during the Renaissance. But in the meantime, a huge thank you to the judge himself. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. And that's it. I guess all that's left to say is... You've been listening to...
1: council in Shitterton got quite annoyed because their sign was constantly stolen. You know, the sign with a big red line through it. That was the one that was always stolen. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not a surprise, is it? I wonder why. And so they, in the end, they imported a boulder, mm-hmm. a, you know, a 50-ton boulder. For which they had the word "shiterton" engraved on it. Huh? <laughs> That's a commission and a half, isn't it? Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. Did that get stolen? No. Oh, <laughs> oh I, would, I would admire the student who's got that in his bedroom.
1: <laughs> Time flies like an arrow, colon, or would it be a semicolon? Fruit flies like a banana.